2: Okay, hello folks, thank you for joining us uh, at the Royal Garden Hotel. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Wisden Extra podcast in partnership with Betfair Exchange. Uh, I'm Phil Walker, Editor-in-Chief of Wisden Cricket Monthly magazine, and I'm genuinely thrilled today to be joined by uh, the author and journalist and Wisden Cricket Monthly Reviews editor, John Hotton, and Robin Smith, one of the greatest England batsmen of his era, a Hampshire institution, an iconic figure to cricket fans of a certain age, and in the words of his mate, Mark Nicholas, a dashingly handsome player in every respect. Thank you for joining us, fellas.
1: Very very kind and uh, lovely to be here.
2: Thank you, John, for joining us. Good
0: to be here, yeah.
2: Are uh, you hot-footing it up from, from Hampshire way? From,
0: from Hampshire, from Fleet, yeah, in the north part of the county, the unfashionable part. So we, we have two
2: Hampshire legends with us here today. Uh, r- we're recording the show at the Beer and 91 Cricket World Cup Lounge of the Royal Garden Hotel uh, in front of a live audience today. Uh, Hey, That's it. Let's hear from you. Thank you very much. I think we've got a few Australians in the house, yeah. Okay, so as well as bringing you a daily podcast through the World Cup, once a week we're bringing you a little bit extra, and this is that show uh, digesting all the action so far and uh, looking forward to a sprinkling of betting expert tips that we'll come to later in the show. Uh, we'll be hearing a little later from Ed Hawkins, betting.betfair's Greek correspondent, and Joe Harmon and I, of course, will be resuming our challenge to see if we can turn a profit ourselves, more likely a race to the bottom. To the here and now, though, the big news from today's game has seen De- Bangladesh take down West Indies in a vital clash at Taunton and take them down comfortably, winning by seven wickets with the best part of eight overs to spare. Uh, John Hotton, this has grave consequences for West Indies' hopes of breaking into that top four. And for Bangladesh, it gives them the kick that they need.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think what you've seen is one side there today that has... That that knows it absolutely has to maximise its resources. Uh, Bangladesh, we all know, have had a hard road to this point. Um, I think they all know their roles. They know exactly what they need to do as a team, and they all need to play to their maximum capacity. This is the first decent total that's really been chased down in the World Cup. Yep. So the first time anyone's done that. I mean, Shaqib, what a cricketer that guy is. So back-to-back I mean, back
2: hundreds for Shaqib. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and 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 today's chase exemplary. And I think what it shows you is. the West Indies are almost the complete opposite they've got great resources but they're just not using them and for the tournament as a whole I think what it means is you kind of need to look at the teams that have got uh, players that are coming or are in their prime and Mm -hmm. I think if you look at West Indies as an example they've got a couple of older guys you know who are legends but they're you know, they're beyond their prime and they've got a load of young guys who are just you know this is their first real taste of the world cup and they've really got no one in that kind of sweet spot area bangladesh have got shakib at least and you know england have got a few australia have got a few australia's best players are very good and i think that will be the, the trend going forwards is the teams that that you know, have got enough players who are coming into their peak um, for me.
2: Yeah, OK. Uh, for our Australian listeners as well, uh, we're going to run through the table just briefly because we are getting to the business end of this tournament. Australia are top. Eight, eight points from five. New Zealand and India, seven from four games. England slipped in there behind them. Four, uh, four games played, six points. And it's Bangladesh who have made the move today. So Bangladesh are up to five... Uh, Sri Lanka 4, West Indies 3, Sri La- um, South Africa and Pakistan 3 and of course Afghanistan uh, rather bringing up the rear. Robin Smith, thank you for joining us. Um, you've seen a little bit of the World Cup but you've been doing the, the book tour uh, of your, your, your piece, your, uh, the, the Judge which is out which we'll come to later on in the show. Um, from what you've seen, where is your money for the, for this tournament from what you've seen?
1: Well, t- to be honest with you, this morning I said that uh, the Westerners would be in the, uh, the top four. So it just shows that I don't know a huge amount what's going on in this <laughs> World Cup. But uh, our, our, look, I, it, for me... Um, The the top two sides, I mean, uh, India are always going to be there. But uh, Australia, uh, they've got the experience. They've won four of the last five. They've been there. And that means so much. When you have the confidence and you know how to perform under extreme pressure, um, that will carry them through, um, you know, a lot of difficulty. England, um, they've never won the World Cup. You know they are undoubtedly the uh, the best uh, the best side uh, in this tournament. Uh, they've come in as favourites. They are ranked number one in the world. Um, but I just think the the pressure, if they get to the semi-final final, the pressure to actually win the World Cup on their home soil, um, I think just might get to them. But having watched them batter the, uh, the other day at the Rose Bowl in Southampton, I mean, they played with, well, they only needed four batters, but they played with such confidence, such freedom, um, and those guys can seriously play. OK, so I want
2: to come to that game in particular. Joe Root made... Another hundred, sixteen hundreds now. Four more than the next best England uh, ODI player. Uh, there's going to be plenty more by the time he's done. Uh, you saw him firsthand, and you've played with and against some many great cricketers. How good is this boy?
1: Oh, look. I, again, I don't watch a huge amount of cricket in uh, in, in Perth. I've. Uh um, you know, I've got a, a job that takes uh, many hours during the week, so uh, I don't watch a lot of cricket. Um, I did arrive over here a week ago with the great expectation of uh, enjoying a wonderful st- uh, Indian summer here it in rain. England, and it's rained. So I haven't watched too much cricket. But um, but look, I um, uh, I, I think um, you know th- these guys and, and Joe Root has probably got. Um, the the best technique that I've seen of 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 any player. And we, we of any player. I I Mark Rampakash I believed in in my generation was probably one one of those that had a pretty much a perfect technique. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. he didn't quite perform um, at the international international stage as he should have done. Um, Ian Bell again very very good technique. Uh, John Crawley too in my day. a yeah. really good technique. But well, you mentioned But John. But I think Joe Root's in a different division. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he he doesn't go out there and, and blast his uh, his you know his hundred and, and, uh, in 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 sixty six balls. But you know, he's there. He he plays his role within the team incredibly well. He's the backbone of of the team. And he's got those other players around him, uh, Roy and Besto and those sort of guys uh, who are going to come and score their runs at more than run a ball. But all Joe really needs to do is go and bat time, bat through the innings, and that's what he does. And he's just perfect.
0: Um. Can I ask you, Robin? You mentioned earlier the um, difference between tournament cricket and, and just regular international one-day cricket. The knockout section, specifically of tournament cricket, how different is it as a player when it's it's a straight knockout game as opposed to the sort of the endless one-day series that you would tend to play?
1: Well, uh, look, I mean, you know, for us, um, we, we've got to uh, try and uh, imagine it as just a normal game. Uh, we know that's very difficult. Um, Come semi-final, you've been, you know, you've been probably the best one-day side in two years in uh, in the world. Um, you've played beautifully, but you know, all of a sudden you get down to the top four, you might lose the toss. Overhead conditions, there might be a little bit in there, and you know, playing India and Boomer comes in, and um, and the and the the margin um, b- between success and failure is uh, is half a centimetre. Um, you know, instead of playing and missing at four early on, maybe England nick four and find themselves at 40-for-four for game over, tournament over for them. Um, we're hoping that's not the case, mm. but, uh, you know, that, that's but how... It's, you know, it's that's interesting
2: how that you, having been perhaps our finest player in the, certainly in the early part of the 90s, you still retain a degree of that English pessimism that... All fans have retained from the
1: nineties because you,
2: because you're saying, well, you know, maybe, maybe I the pressure I might I get us. You're speaking I like we've I all we've all no, been there, no, we've all suffered. No no,
1: no, no, that's just me as a person. Oh, okay. I, um, yeah, you read the book. I've never been, uh, you know, even about my oh. own game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think more optimistically about England, and uh, but but I always look at the uh, the other side of the coin as well. Yeah, um, and and that's just uh, you know I've uh, never been the most confident person in the world Um, but certainly from any point of view yeah definitely I I feel confident I'm just looking at the other side of the coin here where if things do get tough they Mm -hmm. lose the the toss you know anything can happen and you asked me whether they'd go on and and win the World Cup yeah we all need a little bit of luck uh, going through and winning the World Cup I think they will but I think they're going to have to uh, continue to play well
2: and just on the makeup of the England team just briefly Jason Roy is out certainly for the first for the next two games possibly for longer Uh, James Vince comes into the equation. You would have been watching him pretty much every week down at Hampshire. Obviously, Robin, you'd have seen him come through the ranks, I imagine, as a young lad um, at Hampshire. Maybe your time didn't quite correspond, but obviously there's a huge story down at Hampshire. Is he coming in to open the batting, do you think? And can he do the job?
0: Uh, Well, I think undoubtedly he could do the job. I think he's got the one thing that all... Potentially great batsmen have, and that's time. Oh, certainly. Uh, and, and I would always go back to the innings he played at Brisbane in the last ashes on the first morning. Yeah, the 83. And, yeah, and and uh, Stark was roaring in, and Vince's first ball. Stark absolutely nailed an in-swinging Yorker. And Vince, he honestly seemed to have all data. play. Is it when he got run out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he got my the gosh, I know. First ball, he just dropped his wrists on it, and you would have thought it was a throwdown. And and I thought, yeah, he's got that little thing that separates people mm-hmm. at the very top level. Whether he can go on and do it, you know, you mentioned Mark Rampakash. Mm. Rampakash certainly had that, you know. Um, so, he, you know, served several other players who haven't necessarily gone on. There's a theory knocking around today that Moeen might come in and open, okay. which is something he did in the last World Cup, and that would give them the extra spin option. I personally would go for Vince because I'm a huge fan of Vince, and I think his day will come. Um, y- you've made that quite clear <laughs> over the
2: years. Okay, dare I ask about Australia? Uh, every time I ask an Australian journalist or observer, they tend to say, oh, well, we don't, we don't really have enough. We've got a few good players, but not enough. We're a bit inconsistent, and yet they keep churning out these results, don't they? In the old kind of footballing parlance, they're not playing especially well, but they're getting the result. They can go ahead and win this thing, right?
1: Oh, as I said earlier on, definitely i mean you 've got to peak at the right time during this tournament um, and uh, and those those guys individually um, I think fantastic players, and as i said they've, uh, they, you know they've, they know what to do, they know how to win mm. uh, they won four to the five last, and that uh, World Cups that carries a hell of a lot. You know that they have that confidence. They they have that arrogance. They've they've been there. They've done it. They've won it. Um, England haven't, and that's the only little thing. But but no, no, England, without doubt, they're going to win. Now I'm being more. Uh, okay, yeah, right, you're uh, being uh, bullish yeah, yeah. now. All right, fine, I'll take that. John, yeah, how do you yeah. see
0: it? Uh, well, I think uh, you know, risk of of playing to the Australian audience here. Uh, they, they yeah, they obviously do know how to win, and and I think the thing about this Australian team is their good players are really good. Yeah, uh, I think. Anyone can sit down on paper and go, yeah, they're unbalanced. They're probably short of one power hitter, which is slightly odd. Given if you watch the Big Bash, they've got you know five or six mm-hmm. young guys in, who are really incredibly powerful players, and yet they've come over and they've got Kawaja in the middle order, and they've you know they've got uh,
1: oh. well Nathan Cootenal went yeah. in and played yeah. 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 Uh, yeah and yeah. saved uh, Australia from the yeah, fir- early games. So, oh look, I think Australia have got uh, the whole the whole package. I think all round, I think they've got uh, yeah. you know Ma- Maxwell batting there, and they've well got Maxwell. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, they got depth. I mean, even uh, uh, Mitchell Stark, I you know that uh, uh, when uh, Michael Holding was uh, commentating the other night and somebody said Mitchell Stark could bat, Michael said, I beg your pardon. <laughs> um, now, I think, you know, M- Mitchell Stark can come in and quite comfortably get that smack 25 and, and 15 balls for sure. He can.
0: I mean, Maxwell's an odd one, isn't he? Because I think to the rest of the world, Maxwell's one thing, and to Australia, he's something else. He's almost, mm. They almost seem like this kind of stunt player, and they're not quite sure what to do with him mm-hmm. whereas actually he can do everything I mean he's an unbelievable fielder mm-hmm. he'll bowl you several good, uh, good overs and yeah as you say he can, he can bat the lights oh. out if it's his day
2: yeah. fabulous uh, we'll come to your own career in a moment Robin and specifically playing against Australia uh, well, that
1: won't take very long so that's
2: fine <laughs> John your overall impressions of the tournament um, and the, the relevance of the tournament in the, the national conversation how have you seen it play out over the last few weeks
0: yeah, I mean, that's increasingly becoming the conversation, isn't it? How visible is the tournament? If you read the papers, you'll see a lot of articles about, well, you know, I've just spoken to a five-year-old kid in the street and he's got no idea what's going on. I mean, you have to contrast that with the fact 99% of the games or ninety nine percent of the tickets have been sold. And, I mean, did you did you see India in Pakistan yesterday? I was if there. You're, if you're looking for an audience within the UK that's untapped, well, it was sitting in that ground yesterday. Yeah. Where are those guys in domestic cricket? If you can answer that question, I think, you know, the 100 and everything else, all of these things we endlessly beat ourselves up about fall into place. I think the television argument is something completely different. It's not a problem that football has. And I think as a general rule, you won't find a single you know, terrestrial, old-school broadcaster who wants to put a five-day test match on television. Mm-hmm. It won't happen. Mm-hmm. So it's almost a pointless argument. And
2: just on the final itself, if England were to get there, it has to be available for everybody to oh, see. Oh,
0: uh, it has to be. As yeah, a one-off. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was a bit like the, the uh, European Championship football, wasn't it? Liverpool yeah. and... Uh, who did they and play? Spurs, Spurs won yeah. <laughs> 3-2. It
2: was great, so great yeah. night.
0: Um, but, uh, you know, BT, <laughs> who are... Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, a sort of pretty obscure you know, uh, cable broadcaster were duty-bound to somehow get that onto YouTube platforms and yep. online and so on, so everyone could see this game.
2: It would be a travesty if England were to get to the... Well, if anybody were to get to the final, but if England specifically were to get to the final and it's unavailable for UK watchers, that would be a shocker. Um, Robin... Does this argument, does this kind of anxiety that people have about the game's popularity now, does it ring any bells from when you were playing?
1: Um no, well not really. I mean, we, we at the time, um, you know, 2020 cricket wasn't wasn't really induced. In fact, uh, I uh, played the very first 2020 cricket match uh between uh, Middlesex and uh, and Hampshire and I was in 2003. About, yeah, that was your final year. Yeah, and, Hampshire. I, and I was and I was 40 and I went uh, this is definitely not my game. <laughs> <laughs> it um, would have been, but, though. But it uh, would have been your game, right, at I one look, point? Had I had I learned to, to play that sort of cricket... Um, at uh, 15 16 17 I guess I probably would have enjoyed it I mean I think it's fantastic for uh, for everyone to watch it's exciting it's exhilarating you see these these incredible shots that they seem to be playing these days I mean it's just unbelievable. we wouldn't even have dreamt about playing these yeah. shots um so look it's, uh, it's it's great for the kids the interest of the in, in the game um, but for for me uh, you know we've got to really still uh, continue to work hard on the uh, the fundamentals of the game don't get too carried away of trying too early on in your career when you're for 14, 15, 16, learning to play 20-20 um, cricket because you know, you'll never then be able to adapt to 50 over cricket and certainly never be able to play first class cricket or test match cricket. So you for me it's always important to, uh, to, to work out the importance of uh, your technique early on um, look to play first class cricket, look to play test match cricket, look to have that technique Yep. And then I think it's very much easier to be able to adapt to the shorter form of the game.
2: You're, you're coaching a lot now it, back in Australia. Um, this is obviously a mantra that you'll be drilling into your you know, your students and, and your charges and so on. But
1: and I, I don't want to be too boring as a coach Say no, I don't want to no, be too but, No, but, it's, it's, it's but it is I fun. Do mean. Encourage. I mean, I do encourage, because it's fun, isn't it? I sure. Mean, what you've got to do with young kids, you've got to make sure that they come mm-hmm. in and enjoy their cricket session. So, but so one, one of the marks of the World Cup has been that technique has still won through w- yes with bat and
2: ball it hasn't just been particularly this hitting World Cup yeah. we've
1: actually seen some very very good technically some great innings in this World Cup it's not been the big uh, 2020 bash which in fact it's not I mean 2020 cricket is very very different to the 50 Indeed, uh, yeah. of, of, of form of the game so it's a completely different game once again but you know you, you see that over the years you watch a lot of good 2020 players and, and they are generally the best test match players as well yeah Yep, absolutely. We are talking to someone here who made 167
2: not out, I think, in 1993 in a 50-over game against Australia. So yeah. I think you might have made quite a lot of money if if you played played 20-over cricket in the Aww. IPL. Um, okay, I want to talk about the book itself. Um, we have it here, Robin Smith, the Judge. It's called, which everyone will know is his is his nickname. Um, What compelled you to write it, Robin?
1: Um, Look, I I was uh, very privileged to have been asked uh, when when I'd just finished my... uh, um, Well, I'd just been dropped from England at 32 by Jack Bannister. Um, obviously, a revered writer in, uh, uh, here in, in in England, and uh, I didn't feel that I had a good enough story at the time. I turned it down. I didn't believe that uh, I was good enough to write a book. And and really, at the end of the day, I think uh, um, an autobiography really should be about your life. Um, I don't quite believe that you've lived your life at at, at 32. Um, so we, after I'd finished playing uh, playing cricket, um, I'd I'd uh, Started to have a lot of problems with uh, anxiety, uh, a lot of problems with uh, you know feeling quite depressed over a long period of time, Um, and then having read uh, Graham Fowler's book, Marcus Trescothick's book, studied it, read it, it really gave me the inspiration to uh, to and the driving force to be uh, and the confidence to be able to bear my my soul my story uh, and uh you know and and uh and be confident enough to uh, to bear my story to the cricketing public as well because i thought if they were if they were you know wrote their story sure. uh, which which helped me a lot then i felt that uh, that maybe i could do the same
2: triscothic's book broke d- knocked down a lot of doors didn't it? it enabled cricketers who would have obviously been spawned from traditionally masculine buttoned up emotionally tense kind of places dressing rooms where men were men and they didn't speak about their problems well Marcus with his book which came out 10 years ago now I think changed the face of 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 the cricketing biography and it and it enabled the likes of Graham Fowler and Jonathan Trot as well, and, yeah. and now yourself and, too. And,
1: and just to endorse that absolutely. Yeah. And I totally agree with uh, you know with the guys because you know we, we just perceived you know we're out there you know maybe six foot, fifteen stone you know and uh, you know this uh, this this mentally strong bloke walking out to bat and taking on the Western knees and you know and uh, what, what you see out there is not always you know what uh, what, what what's deep down in the soul. Um, and, uh, and it's it's very hard to uh, you know to at, at times be um, that confident person when you've got all these negative remnants, um fighting away in, in, in your in your mind. It's, uh, it's it's very difficult. You
2: described it as cathartic to me downstairs when when we had a quick chat. Um, is that how you how you see it?
1: Yeah. Look, I, I, was, I, was, I was very. Uh, it, it took me two three years to uh, decide um, that, that I would write the book. Um, I have my beautiful uh, fiance which I uh, I got uh, engaged to uh, four days ago I got, Congratulations, and, uh, got, down on my, got down on my bad knee though. It's fabulous there we go it, 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 it took me uh, it, t- it took me seven minutes to get back up and <laughs> had, I reckon had she said no then I'd still be bloody down there on my right <laughs> knee but uh, but anyway uh, 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 Karen was a, uh, a, gr- a great um, support she she said no look I think you've got a, a good enough story she said uh, that you know go out there and and, uh, and, and uh, bear, bear your soul mm mm-hmm. um, because there'll be a lot of people out there not just in sport but maybe just in all walks of life yeah. that may be able to learn a little something in, in, in my opinion it's a, it's a book of learnings mm-hmm. and uh, whoever reads the book you might just take a little paragraph here or a line there that just might help you if you feel that you're moving into the, the darkness area that, that, that I, got, I found myself in after a, after a period of time
2: I read it all today uh, I started about half ten in the morning, and I read it in, in one sitting. And you, d- it, and you didn't, fall, it, finished it, finished and it you didn't fall asleep?
1: You didn't fall asleep? No, I didn't. Oh, it was, it was genuinely
2: go. gripping, very moving as well in parts, and also very thrilling as well. And uh, the, the, the middle section of the book is, is concerned with the the kind of the, the, the chaotic years of playing playing for England, playing for Hampshire, in that kind of golden age of sorts of English cricket, where we we didn't deliver necessarily as well on the pitch as we would have hoped, but these characters are indelible now. You know, they are, they are embedded in all of us. John Hott, I want to come to you because you've read the book as well, and yep. there are a lot of things that struck you about that particular era.
0: There are, yeah. I mean, I think um, if you pick the book up in the bookshop, which you obviously should do...
2: You have to. And,
0: and, and you have a little look at the back, you'll get a sense of what kind of a man... Robin is and was regarded as within the game, within Hampshire and within England. I mean, the probably the most singularly popular and loved cricketer in the country at that time. I mean, uh, a, a sort of small personal anecdote. The first time I ever saw Robin play was actually for Ikenham, when uh, Yeah, which was, uh, um, but by chance, I, uh, I played for Basingstoke at the time. Uh, right. They were in the same league, I think. I wasn't quite as many teams up the, up the rung as Robin was. We, our game was cancelled. And someone said, look, you've got to come down and see. The first team were playing, Basingstoke, were playing Ickham at Ickenham. Our game was cancelled. You've got to come down and see this kid play. He, you know, you've got to see it. We went down there, and I think you got you got about 60, something like that. But that was the first time I saw him play- And every- everyone from that point was, this guy's 17, he's going to come through. And I think Robin began to span this era of English cricket that was fading out, which was... Uh, Botham and you Lammy know, Lamy Gower, who became sort of great great friends and sparring partners of yours. And you were also still playing, you know, when Avers was captain and, you know, that generation of 90s players. You mentioned, you know, that test in 93, which marked the debut of Rampakash and Hick in the same game, mm. uh, headingly against West Indies. So you kind of spanned those two eras. And I think that gives this book a unique voice it also gives it a very amusing voice I noted to Phil earlier two kind of amazing things about Robin one was that you've been best man five times to people um, which is a, I mean as Phil said to me I haven't even got five mates <laughs> you, you've been chosen by five well, uh, and, and the other thing was that you know well, the,
1: the only reason was uh, that no one else wanted to be their best man so uh, <laughs> See, that's a last resort this
0: is, this is the model and the other thing there's a great story uh, of, of many in the book of you going to a Test 100 with Malcolm Marshall obviously your teammate at Hampshire but your opponent West Indies and Malcolm used to delight in knocking over his teammates and friends but gave you a half volley on your legs to go to 100
1: well he did I was on uh, 98 and uh, I was at the uh, non-strikers end, and he said uh, judge man he said, "Next ball, leg stump, half volley. Get your 100. <laughs> and uh, so I faced, and I thought, it was going to be a double bluff?" But yeah, I got down there, and, and he took uh, he took uh, mid wicket and put mid wicket uh, to uh, t- uh, to gully, second gully, and there's only mid on and fine leg. And I thought, "No, he's going to get one swinging. Well, I'm going to play across the line, get caught second gully." Anyway, it was this. Seventy mile an hour, gentle leg stump, half volley, which I just nudged off the pads. Got my two runs to get my hundred, and um, that was the end of the over. And uh, my hero Viv Richards walked past and said. Well played, man. <laughs> he said, I like the little bonus you had for the last the two runs. So he knew, <laughs> even he as the knew, captain, yeah. he knew.
0: <laughs> I um, mean, people wouldn't think that about that West Indies team, that it yeah. was because they were so ferocious.
1: That, you, Mar- Mar- they, they, did, they did respect the, the guys that stood up to them. Yeah, Mind you, Malcolm did get me out LBW for 109. <laughs>
2: so yeah,
1: right. Half <laughs> so an I, didn't hour get, later. I didn't get too many more. Runs. And you
2: the,
0: probably never heard the end of it either. Uh, yes. Th-
2: and that series, Robin... Um, one of my earliest cricketing memories, as it goes, actually, and you made two hundreds in that series. You made the famous hundred and forty-eight at Lords, uh, which Richie, Richie Benno still says is one of the, one of the best innings he's seen. Um, at the end of that series, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you were ranked number two in the world in Test Test bats, batsmanship after Gooch. I yes, think, yeah. yeah. Um, did you ever feel like the second best player in the world? Did that kind of level of Achievement and scrutiny sit comfortably on your shoulders.
1: Um, it, it certainly didn't sit comfortably with me. I not for once did I believe that. Uh I was the second best batsman in the world because they did have those rankings, and then I saw Viv Richards thirteen, Alan Border nine. I went, no man, I can't be <laughs> as good as these <laughs> blokes. But, um, but for, for, fortunately, I've never, I've never really um, had that uh, that that confidence that uh, uh, in my own ability. And and when um, <coughs> after the first uh, uh, year or so of my uh, test test match career, we, th- we started then getting uh, um, up on the uh, screen as you walked mm. in, you'd look at your test rating number two, you know number of tests played your your test average and i always used to walk out and i'll having to read that um over and over to just to satisfy in my mind that i was actually good enough to be out there in the middle playing test match cricket and that's that's it was just me and that's how i i I'd, I'd never had that confidence, and and uh, i guess that's the way i've always been but you had the probably one of the most famous
0: walkouts in, in test cricket, didn't you? You used <laughs> to come out and do the... You used to open your eyes really wide. I always remember that. Yeah. And then you used to bend down and do... You were one of the first guys to do all the exercises I, I, I and stuff as you went was, out.
1: I, I yeah. used to copy that. Yeah. I, I did. I mean, it was just to, to try and you know get the, that excess in, adrenaline out the body and, uh, and, and loosen up... Uh, the limbs a little bit but uh, it, I was just incredibly nervous and I just felt that uh, by doing that just loosen up the body a little bit and uh, and relax me a bit as well.
2: You, you touch on the book a number of times about the kind of the duality um, of many people but, but of yourself specifically the, the the judge as this kind of cocksure chest out uh, winner and Robin Arnold Smith, as as you describe, a man you know with certain insecurities and self consciousness, and so on. That's a story that exists throughout sport, isn't it? Increasingly yeah. evident as well.
1: V- very much, very much so. There would be, um, you know, again, we're always perceived all this, all these sportsmen, um, you know, from afar. You know, we're perceived to be the you know, the strong characters, you know, but all of us have got uh, fragilities in, in life, you know. Um, you know, there there are. A few, quite unique, I think, who really do believe in themselves. They really do believe that they uh, are the best in the world. Um, and that's probably one of the reasons why they are the best in the world. Yeah. You know, Coley or... or uh. Well,
0: your, your brother was an interesting... Your brother, Chris, and you make the point several times throughout the book, he's lived his life by this credo of positive thinking. Yeah, And always actually returns to a specific book whenever he's not feeling yeah. confident about
1: life. Norman, Norman, Norman Vincent Peel is the other uh, book. But uh, yeah, Chris is, and, and I make reference uh, a lot in the book as well. It's um, you know, very difficult uh, to compare generations, as we might have spoken a little bit earlier on. But when, um, uh, when Gordon and my brother batted together for seven or eight or nine, ten years at Hampshire um, against the same bowling attack, same pitches. And for Gordon to be arguably one of the greatest batsmen, opening batsmen of all time and as my brother um, suggests that he's just a journeyman, <laughs> how, how my brother through strength of mind yeah. um, and and hard work and commitment, how he could have a better record than Gordon Greenwich and I know that Gordon um, always, you know, practiced very hard, um, you know, he took batting for Hampshire as seriously as he did for the West Indies mm-hmm. because I batted number four and I could see him coming and throw his bat down when he got out so I knew he was very passionate so for my brother who couldn't lace his boots to be able to have a better record in one day cricket and first class cricket than Gordon just shows and again we, d- we, d- we speak in the book about the power of the mind as well yeah. which is a super
2: I I can't resist asking you about Shane Warne. If we're
1: talking about cricket... I do have to spoil my knife.
2: Yeah, all right, fair enough. No, I do understand that. But you you brought him to Hampshire.
1: Yes, anyway. I did. I did. I mean, Warne is, uh, you know, love him or hate him. I mean, I think he's uh, I think he's a great bloke. I mean, he's, uh, I don't particularly enjoy his uh, little tweets and have a look at those little pictures of him <laughs> every now and again. But It takes on films, um, right? Yeah, but, uh, but Warne, if you get to know Warne is, uh, as, as, a, as a friend, I mean, he really is a, a very genuine sincere yeah. bloke. Um, and, uh, but as a cricketer uh, coming mm. in uh, in the early 90s, he really, he really changed world cricket because it was, in those days, dominated by fast bowling. And then you had this little uh, St Kilda beach bum coming in and just rolling his arm over and just setting the world alight. Mm. Um, and so for me, I, I, I struggled. And one of the reasons I think why Warney was so successful is that he was so accurate. As a leg spinner, um, as a wristband it's very very difficult to to be able to get that accuracy as Warney did and he never let you know he never bowled a bad ball or very few bad balls um, and uh, he was a pretty decent sledger as well at the time getting uh, under I your skin I, I, rem- I remember the old Trafford game
2: th- the game where he bowled the so called ball of the century to Gatting he bowled something very similar to you in the very in the same session right so you Richie just happened to get an edge to it so Gatting missed
1: so, so did Richie Benno said exactly the same did thing he, he said uh, there was a very similar ball to uh, what Gat but, but Gat is a wonderful player of spin bowling sure. and he doesn't you know he plays the ball very late whereas I go forward and, and go and push at the ball and that's why you know I nicked it and Taylor caught me at first slip but uh you,
2: you were famous for uh, not just facing the quicks brilliantly but also proclaiming that you quite enjoyed facing the quicks was that true is it possible to enjoy facing Marshall Croft Wacker Wazim Bishop Patterson all the rest is it? Is uh, it really possible?
1: Oh look, look, uh, I, I, I think it is, and and I did. And there's there's a couple of reasons. Even at the back of the book, I haven't got my reading glasses on, but even Angus Fraser said something at the back of the book said uh, that. You know, out of all the cricketers here, you could maybe read the, the <laughs> quote.
0: The exact quote is, there have been many players who've suggested they'd rather face 90 mile per hour throat balls than gentle leg breaks. But Robin Smith is the only one I truly believe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I I'd far prefer to have faced quick bowling than, than Shane Warne or Muriel or or right. Spinner. Um, look, I think I was very lucky, very privileged being brought up in South Africa. Um, we were uh, at the time isolated from uh, international sports, so, um, so the cricket that we played, all the great players that unfortunately never had the opportunity of playing international cricket, um, that was our, um, the pinnacle. Playing Curry Cup cricket uh, was, was, a, was a tough competition, fought hard, um, and we only had three spinners in, uh, mm. in South Africa at the time. There was Alan Curry that didn't really spin the ball and uh, Dennis Hobson. Um, so really from a very, very early age, I was exposed only to fast bowling. Mm. Um, Dad uh, bought the house next door to us, knocked it down, built a, a cricket pitch, um, which was concrete and uh, ozark, which is um, you know, which is a, a little bit like the AstroTurf now, yep. but but a little bit a bit thinner. Graph. And you play every day. And uh, and he just he just got he, we. Uh, he imported the very first bowling machine into South Africa and he had this uh, great delight in just turning up the bowling machine to 80 miles an hour and 85 when I was in 15, 16. would be whizzing past my nose. So, so yeah, Th- I There mean, was an I adrenaline was, uh, element uh, yeah. that's, that so is
2: in your character. You talk about yeah, this in the book.
1: Yes. Um, so from an early, uh, uh, Sorry to interrupt. So from an early age, talking about quick bowling... Um, I was exposed to it. I learned how to play quick bowling very, very early on. Um, and that's why probably, you know, I played it reasonably well.
2: Yeah, Ooh, you
1: certainly did.
0: There's also great some great anecdotes about your early life in South Africa about Barry Richards and Mike Proctor coming round to the back garden yeah. and practising in there with you as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, my uh, two early early heroes there. <laughs> some good <laughs> ones <that>. there. Yeah, <laughs> you can't get... Too much better than uh, Barry Richards and Mike Proctor coming around. Uh, they only lived uh, a kilometre uh, down the road anyway. So when uh, when the rebel tours were uh, arriving in the sort of mid eighties to uh, uh, um, to South of the, the Australians, the Westerners, uh, the England guys, so they came around and practiced on uh, f- uh, our facility. I was, at s- I was at school most of the time, but when I came back from school, they were there practicing, and That's it was Barry just fantastic. In my Barry back garden. my back garden practicing it was great. Great to watch. If you could pick
2: one innings then from your time that you're most proud of is that possible to do is there one that sticks in the mind over and above any others
1: um look look for me playing playing for hampshire meant everything for me um so it you know i, I wouldn't uh, i love playing for england i love the innings is that i uh enjoy batting uh, betting for england but but for me, the love that I had for, uh, for my teammates, Hampshire teammates, for the, the members, the supporters, to have gone up and have played really well in those three one-day uh, one finals that we got to, yep. eventually got to uh, finals at Laws, and to have played well and to have got those man-of-the-matches, um, for me, those would stick out because, um, although it was just for Hampshire, not for England, but... Hampshire meant everything to me. John, um, were you in that Were you in those guys? Yeah, yeah,
0: well, no. I mean, it. I, I think it's an era of county cricket that has maybe passed in the way you lived and the way you played, but it's a. I, I, it, time romanticises things, doesn't it? And and it's true. I mean, it's like a golden era of... of if, you, if you just imagine the overseas players you played with at Hampshire, and these guys, they, they weren't flown in for a couple of 2020 games as happened now. Mm-hmm. They turned up in April, and they went home in September, and you're talking about Gordon Greenwich, Malcolm Marshall, Barry Richards, yeah. Yeah, on and on through Hampshire's yeah. history, to
1: shame Warne as even, well. Even Andy Roberts was... And uh, Roberts, uh, Roberts uh, of and course, and the and first one. The yeah. first yeah. one, yeah. yeah. Uh, I
2: just want to ask you finally... Robin, is your is your love for the game as strong as it ever was? Uh, you say you're you're coaching now a lot, of bringing a lot of young uh, girls and boys through. Is that kind of rekindled your love of the game in some respect?
1: It, 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 it has. I, I did fall out of love of the game, um, and which um, does happen, doesn't it? it well, y- yeah, it it does, and uh, and once again, I I, I, I must acknowledge uh, Karen for this because Karen was the one, the true what, hero uh, of the book. Yeah, right. who, who um, says that she didn't know
0: anything she, about cricket or no? She or who did. you didn't know, know who
1: I was, which is yeah. fair, how refreshing is that? When you can meet somebody that yeah. doesn't know who you are and you can speak openly to them and they don't judge you because they don't they don't know who you no are. No preconceptions, oh, it's, which is just that the only person that she knew was Shane Warne. Right, of course. <laughs> I'd <was> rather <laughs> hope she said, "Well, I'd, I've met, I've heard some like Robin Smith," and I would have <laughs> gone, "Yeah." Yeah that's me that's me but uh, no she didn't know anyone and uh, and again very refreshing to know that you could uh, start a fresh book you know going out there meeting somebody who we we became friends for six, six nine months or a year um, and uh, we're lovely friends and, and she was a, a wonderful support and, and after two three years when I started to gather a little bit more confidence Karen was the one that a- again suggested that uh, well why don't you take up a little bit of coaching again? Yep. you love your cricket you're starting to watch a little bit more cricket why don't you go and you know do a little bit of coaching so I um, at uh, a lo- I put my name down at uh, a local uh, um, indoor cricket school and uh, you know, now I've got some absolutely wonderful young kids who uh, a couple want to play for England few want to play for Australia <laughs> uh, one wants to play for India um, but uh, but I do enjoy it I mean I get a, a huge thrill and uh, I get excited about my coaching um, I get enthusiastic about it and and, and very passionate um, about seeing these guys improve and, and coming along and, and starting to do well uh, whether or not you know they played uh, the under 14 C's and, and, mm-hmm. and, and they're amb- to get to under 15A. I mean, that's a, and I think I would take I get more excited about the coaching, uh, and you know than, than than possibly they do. But no, I certainly uh, love my cricket, love watching the game now, and uh, and certainly enjoy my coaching. Uh,
2: it's called the Judge. It's written by Robin Smith uh, with Rob Smythe, who's ghosted it. Who's an excellent uh, top of his game ghostwriter. writer. Uh, it's available now. Please go out and buy it. It's a truly brilliant piece of work. uh, And I read it all in one sitting today, as I say.
1: And, uh, and yeah, again, uh, I'd I'd like to mention uh, Rob Smythe. I think uh, that he was the ideal um, writer to write my my story. Mm -hmm. um, Huge empathy. Yeah. uh, Very thoughtful, very sensitive bloke. And somehow we just managed to connect quite nicely and... uh, And when I read the book, obviously Karen had a big influence in the book as well, but when I read the book, I'm actually quite happy with what I read. It's a very genuine and honest story about my life, and um, I made sure that my son and daughter read it before I published it to make sure that they were happy, which is important for me, and they said, Dad, well, if that's your life, you've you've got to write a true story about your life, and... You know, I've left no stone unturned, and that is. You can say uh, that again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, okay, over the course of the tournament, we'll be hearing from Betfair's betting experts who'll be giving us a helping hand and telling us where the smart money lies. Earlier, I caught up with betting.betfair's cricket correspondent Ed Hawkins to find out what he's got his eye on for the next few games in this World Cup. Okay, then, Ed, what have you got for us for the next few days? New Zealand South Africa is a game we've had pencilled in for a
3: while we're very keen on new zealand in the tournament you know they're going to go our favorites here but i think south africa have got major problems you know they've got that one win under their belt against afghanistan mm-hmm. you know they've got good batting their bowling is absolutely exceptional so exceptional Trent Bolt isn't actually the danger man anymore Lockie ferguson coming to the fore. matt henry as well is an absolute uh, gold star uh, winner when it comes to value on the top um top New Zealand bowler market down the last few years he's been a real value for people who do their stats work Um, so we just think New Zealand are going to be far far too strong for a South Africa side who are low on confidence low on fit players and just a a right for the taking against a very very strong Kiwi team Okay, I think there's a lot of
2: sense in there betting
3: New Zealand on the match odds is is sound as a pound Mm
2: -hmm. Okay. anything else?
3: Well, I think we'll still um, keep faith with Ross Taylor mm. uh, to be top New Zealand run scorer. He should be favorite on the market statistically on two-year form. One of the best batsmen in the world his, his, um, his form is absolutely terrific. He's already won us a bet uh, on this podcast this World Cup
2: Indeed, and yeah.
3: he's going to be going off yeah, he's going to be going off around four to one and we know he should be favorite. Um, he's got a better record in terms of winning this market. Uh, than the likes of Kane Williamson who is always going to be popular mm-hmm. he's got a better record than Martin Guptill uh, who's going to be the favourite um, so we're very happy to be on Taylor particularly as there's just a bit of nip uh, and pace in that after batting line up to, to get Taylor in nice and early mm-hmm. uh, and he comes in at number 4 so Taylor is very very solid, you can't go wrong
2: yeah he's running at 4-1 to one on Sportsbook for that one ok and one more for us
3: well, looking ahead to England, Sri Lanka, you know, it's another, it's another unfortunate bit of a mismatch. Um, they're coming a bit thick and fast during this World Cup at the moment, and we're pretty sure who the best four teams are in this World Cup. I mean, that's a couple of weeks, haven't Unfortunately, mm-hmm. but you know, we don't expect Sri Lanka to cause England any issues here, um, uh, and that makes it difficult for punters because we're desperately searching around for value. I'm on top England run scorer markets or top England bowler markets mm-hmm. and make a case for Ben Stokes because he's gonna be too big in the market. But what I worry is whether he's gonna actually get enough time at the crease But mm-hmm. if you can get if you can get sort of upwards of um Got eleven to two, maybe six to one. Stokes for, for top pass against Sri Lanka. We, we got eight right at the start of the tournament. Mm-hmm. And he won in that game against South Africa. He is statistically he is the only England batsman who is actually value in terms of winning that market. we am not yep. saying the other other guys like Root and um, Roy and Baerstow are poor players. They're just poor prices. Mm-hmm. It's all about how often they win this market. And Stokes is the only guy could say is a wrong price, and that's what pet is all about can we find that wrong price and Stokes is
2: just a little bit wrong Okay, and just finally on on James Vince do you expect him to come into the side and and would there be much value in looking at him considering he'll be fresh but he will be up the top presumably?
3: Yeah he'll be fresh I mean in terms of data we don't have a huge amount of data to go on um, because he's over the of his early career is struggling, so mm.
2: um,
3: obviously he's a, he's a he's a quality player. You know some of the, some of his cover drives are like honey falling from a spoon, aren't they? So mm-hmm. you know, aesthetically in terms of, of a bet, you know, if if he's if backed back to Vince uh, and he's going well, that's that's a, a a wonderful situation to be in as a because there's a few few batsmen in the world who look as good as, as he does at the crease. It's going to be open in batting, presumably, uh, with Roy ruled out again, mm-hmm. um, but again, it's, it's, it's tricky to make a case for non on price. I, I did see a couple of players go around 5-1 to one, uh, for him, top-run score in the game against Af- Afghanistan, um, and that, that was a pure mistake by the bookmakers. I just don't think they were up to speed where, yeah. where England's batting was going, Indeed. but, you know, it's it's not it's not it's not a mug bet, let's say let's say that like if you back Vince you know he's gonna he's gonna look good for you know thirty or forty, but he can kind of go
2: on okay, just finally uh having seen the best part of three weeks of cricket now and, and a fair amount of rain, it's fair to say, uh who's your overall <laughs> pick for the tournament uh, based on what you've seen so far?
3: Well, I just can't um, really see past India or England
2: still those big two. England
3: are essentially England are essentially in the semi-final, um, because the group has, stage has been so disappointing, so uncom- uncompetitive, um, India in, in the same boat, uh, and it's just a question of whether those two slip up now to see where they finish in that top four. Otherwise, um, you can see them meeting in the final. Look, I've been I've been very strong on um, going against England um, for for a number of months, purely on price, because I just they want to be backing them the odds of round two to one to win a World Cup. Sure. Um, but having said that that they're very likely to get to a final. But if they do get to a final I think they're gonna to have to beat a much stronger India team all round with bat and ball. India are, for me are the best team in the tournament. But hey,
2: England could chase four hundred to win the final. That would that's be how nice. good they are with the That would be yeah. fun. so that's that's where I'm at. All right, Ed Hawkins, thank you ever so much. Uh, we'll be hoping to hear from you again later on in the tournament. Thanks a lot. Okay, and now uh, it's the return of the Phil v. Joe Challenge. I know you're all on the edges of your seats with this one. Armed with £100, kindly donated by Betfair over the course of the World Cup, Joe and I will be going head-to-head with all proceeds on the off chance there are any going-to chance to shine. The charity putting cricket back into state schools. I caught up with Joe a little bit earlier today. Okay, then, I'm with Joe Harmon, and uh, this is that point of the show where Joe and I uh, go up against one another for the chance to build on uh, £100, kindly donated by Betfair Exchange. Um, Joe and I will be betting over the course of the World Cup with all proceeds. uh, Any possible winnings going, of course, to Chance to Shine, uh, the charity that's helping cricket uh, back into state schools. All right, Joe, um, first of all, what bets have you still got running live that you put on at the start of the tournament?
4: So we put on three, didn't we, at the start? So, I had, uh, had Jason Royce be tournament-leading run-scorer, which was looking great uh, after that big hundred against Bangladesh. Then, obviously, he got injured in the game against West Indies, and we've just had the news that he won't play against Afghanistan uh, or against Sri Lanka. So, even if he does come back into the tournament, which I guess is, is, is doubtful to a point... Has to be, isn't he's it? Missing, yeah, I think it has to be. But he, he, even if he does, he's missing two games where you'd have hoped for him to score quite a lot of runs. So, that, that one's looking doomed, <laughs> I would suggest. Um,
2: yeah, it's terribly bad got, luck, isn't it? Um, not just for yourself, of course, with your £5 bet, but you know, this is a big blow for England. Um, do you think that they'll keep him in the squad? It,
4: it, it's, yeah, I mean, it's tricky, isn't it? It's a good two games for them to have uh, these next two. They don't have to make a call. Uh, you'd expect them to win them relatively comfortably based on form. Uh, if he's still not fit after these two, then they do have a really tricky decision to make. Mm. I think as it stands, if, I think a lot depends on Morgan's back as well. If that If that is a genuine ongoing concern, then you can't have two potentially injured batsmen in your squad. Mm -hmm. If Morgans was a one-off that he's got through, then I think they'll probably just stick with Roy as a
2: kind of injured player in the squad to bring back in, as India have done with Dewan. It is still three weeks till those semi-finals, of course, so... It'd be a decent chance for him to recover. But when you hear hamstring tear, that is quite alarming. Anyway, we, we'll have to leave that comes alone. Up, yeah. um, Pat Cummins' top wickets, is that right? Yeah, so he's on 11, two behind the joint leaders,
1: Mitch Stark and Mo Amir, So that's that's looking pretty promising. Yeah, uh,
4: And then the third one was Sri Lanka to be bottom, come get the wooden spoon. I think it's hard to see anyone but Afghanistan getting that, the way things are going.
2: Yeah, OK, so... Cummins still still uh, running for you, but Roy and Sri Lanka probably falling away. Okay, so last week's bets, how did you get on?
4: So I had Lockie Ferguson to be leading New Zealand wicket-taker v India. That was a washout, so yep. no, no win, no loss. I had Kushal Pereira to be Sri Lanka's leading run scorer v Australia. Now he got 52, batted really nicely, second top scorer. Didn't account for Karuna Ratne getting 90-odd. And the third one was Shimmer and Hepmeyer to be West Indies leading run scorer v England and again he was the second top scorer behind Pooran. Uh so I'm feeling a little bit a
2: little bit hard done by. A little um, bit sore. Yeah. I am a little
4: bit, yeah.
2: Pereira in particular was batting out of his boots of course on Saturday at the Oval. Um and then just kind of missed a straight one, didn't he? Um is that was that right when Stark came back on and he just just played all around one, but he was he was looking like he was going to make a definitive innings there.
4: Well he is and he's batted quite nicely throughout this tournament Whereas no one else has looked in any kind of nick So I kind of, I expected him to get about what he got I just didn't expect anyone to get more than he did So that was a little little unfortunate Although made for a better match
2: And and you went on poor around the week before And you went on Hetmeyer the last game And yeah. they've kind of swapped positions in effect Yeah, yeah Whatever oh, well. I do is just not quite, not quite working <laughs> Alright well, uh, just briefly then, my, my bets from last week, I'm convinced that Johnny Bairstow is going to destroy an attack soon enough. It hasn't yet happened. Uh, he made 50-odd last week in, in, in the game where I had him for top runs, uh, and then he was overtaken. Of course, Joe Root made that 100. Um, I also had KL Raul 11-1, to but uh, they didn't play that game against New Zealand, so that was a washout. Uh, I do like yeah. that idea, though, and I did get in there early before it was confirmed that he was going to open the batting. Obviously, his odds will be slashed from here on in. Now he has got 50 as an opener. Uh, and a silly double, Pakistan and West Indies to beat Australia and England. We'll just gloss over that one. Okay, moving on. Um, this week, then, what have you got for us? Right, okay. So, uh, in the England-Afghanistan game, I've gone for Liam Plunkett at 4th to 1 on Sportsbook.
4: Uh, okay. England's leading wicket taker. Now, I think Afghanistan have actually started their innings reasonably well quite defensively mm-hmm. and then it's all gone to pot in, in the middle overs so I'm expecting them to maybe lose one or two but basically to try and block out Archer and Wokes then not be able to resist playing those, their shots to some Liam Plunkett short balls and, and getting caught on the boundary that's that's my logic anyway alright I
2: like that I, I like that um, next bet
4: um, I've got uh, South Africa to beat New Zealand at Baston mm. at 2.22 on the exchange now I, I think that game to me seems about evens really I think New Zealand have been overestimated so far in this tournament off the back of winning some games that you'd expect them to win. Mm-hmm. South Africa have obviously been poor, but have finally
2: got off the mark. And New Zealand haven't played for ages as well. With that off, game game reigned off against India, I'm expecting them to be a little bit rusty. So yep.
4: the odds, I thought, favoured New Zealand too strongly. So I've gone to South Africa on that basis.
2: OK, and finally... Uh, And finally, I've got Aaron Finch to be the top match batsman, uh, Australia v Bangladesh at five to one on Sportsbook, which I thought was quite generous
4: given given the form he's in. Uh, If he bats even the way him and Warner are going, even if he bats a bit less time than Warner, he will probably outscore him. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think they'll take Bangladesh's new ball attack to, to pieces, really. So that's so Finch at five to one, top match batsman.
2: That is very tasty indeed, and Finch is a classic streaky player as well, isn't he? When he's hot, he's he's, he's electric. He's All right, great, great touch, isn't he? Yeah. Do you want to know mine, Joe?
4: I do. Do, do tell me, Phil. Uh,
2: okay, bit of a left field one here. Right, I've gone for Colin Munro to be player of the match against South Africa at fourteen to one on sportsbook. Right. Right. Now he opens the batting. Um, his odds to be top run scorer in, the, in New Zealand's innings is about four to one. But to be player of the match, he's 14 to 1. Uh, so I just have an inkling that it's a nice way to sort of boost up the odds on a batsman who is opening the batting. He's destructive on his day. He doesn't have much of, a, of an ODI record for New Zealand, but he's done okay so far in this tournament. An unbeaten 50 in the first game, uh, a sharpish 20 odd, 25 I think it was, against Bangladesh. And he will be opening the batting. At some point, I, fa- I fancy that he's going to go. If he can see well, off Rabada up top, then then he yeah. might make make a make a dent in an innings and and fourteen to one player of the month, uh, player of the month, player of the match. Anyway, well, that's
4: interesting. It's, that's interesting. for him as well because I spoke and I spoke to Paul Ford, our, our Kiwi correspondent, earlier in the the tournament yeah uh he doesn't reckon munro's gonna see out this tournament he thinks henry nichols who was injured at the start will come in and he predicted that he'd come in for that india game which obviously we don't we don't know how that went because they never even got to the toss brilliant so it'll be interesting to see <laughs> if your bet is covered well no it was a theory rather than a, he thinks it will happen just okay that he thinks henry nichols is a better batsman against better bowlers um but but we'll see just to throw that one in the mix there
2: okay all right well that one might be null and void um <laughs> Uh, Kusal Mendes played nicely against Australia uh, on Saturday for 30 odd after a very slow start he's a player I rate he also stuck Mitchell Stark over his head for 6 90 mile an hour literally 90 mile an hour uh, into the sight screen so I fancy that Mendes might be coming into some kind of form um, they need somebody in that middle order to do something and I fancy that Mendes uh, who isn't, there's not actually a market up yet uh, on the exchange but I imagine you'll be able to get him at 5 or sixes to 1 uh, for when they play England later on in the week so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a little look at Mendes for later on in the week um, and finally uh, Sumya Saka, who is 9 to 2 on Sportsbook to be top runs against Australia uh, later on this week uh, he's a fine player who's not quite clicked yet in this tournament, despite looking in form whenever he's walked out there. He plays the quicks pretty well. You saw that Pereira and Karuna Ratna were able to see off Stark and Cummins by playing circumspectly last week. It's not impossible to play against this new ball, this Australian new ball side. So I, I fancy Sarko, who I think is quite good odds at 9-2, to two, uh, considering he opens the batting. So I've gone uh, a couple of pennies on him too.
4: You've been quite keen to see more of him. This feels like a bet where you're kind of hoping it will come true because you want to see him bat a bit more.
2: So yeah, is that en- fair, do you think? En- entirely that. Yeah, it's, it's what I base all my judgments <laughs> and on. And Kushal Mendes really. as well,
4: actually, now, now i come to mention it.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, indeed. Indeed. All right, well, you know, best of order for you. Uh, and uh, we shall resume this Titanic battle next week. All right, Joe, enjoy Afghanistan, England, and we'll have a chat tomorrow evening. Cheers, Bill. Nice one. Right then, folks, this World Cup keeps rolling on. Uh, John Hutton, what are you looking forward to over the next few days? Uh,
0: again, at risk of playing to the Australian audience, Australia-Bangladesh, a couple of days' time. On Thursday, Thursday Trent, Trent Bridge. Thursday, Trent Bridge. I think it's on a used pitch. Bangladesh are going to be absolutely flying after this win today, and I think that's going to be a hell of a game.
2: Yep, I think it's a very good shout. Um, Robin, what are you
1: looking forward to next? Oh, I reckon a bit of decent weather here in London would be nice, wouldn't it? That'd be nice. <laughs> That'd be a result. <laughs> what well, I'm looking forward to, uh, ov- obviously, uh, d- spending uh, a little bit of time watching the cricket affair, if if I, you know, if I get the opportunity. Um, but uh, we've only got three or four days left uh, left in England. We've uh, we, we I seem to have a, a very busy life in uh, in sure. Perth, and uh, so does my. I shouldn't say my partner, my new uh, fiancée. So I'm actually looking forward to spending a couple of days chilling out with her in London. Away from the cricket. Away from the cricket. That
2: does sound nice. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, New Zealand, South Africa on Wednesday. I think if there's going to be a switch in this tournament, I still think South Africa may may kind of galvanise themselves over the next week or two. New Zealand have had quite a soft landing in the tournament. Seven from four at the minute, New Zealand. I think if South Africa were to turn them over... And this is Edgbaston on Wednesday. Then I don't think you can fully discount South Africa from the final four. All the fun of the fair to come. Uh, Thanks ever so much for joining us, uh, folks. And Robin, what a joy. Thank you. And John as well, of course. Thank you, gentlemen.
0: Pleasure.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. And thanks for not falling asleep. I was really kind of (laughs) you.
2: This has been the Wisdom Cricket Extra podcast in partnership with Betfair Exchange. Uh, We'll be back next week. Uh, But before you go, uh, you can always listen to the Wisdom Cricket daily podcast. You can never have enough podcasts, which just keeps on rolling. I hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe. And please gamble responsibly.
3: Podcast Network.